Father, look at past failures or even the successes of the past. Because, Lord, we believe that you're going to do new things in our lives. And therefore, O oh Lord, enable us to press on towards maturity and completeness. Um, Lord, in whatever level that we are, whichever spiritual level that we are, O oh Lord, only you know. Father, but to the light that you have given to us, enable us, Lord Father, to move toward the perfection to the light that we have. Um, Father, therefore, I pray that you would strengthen us even, even as we uh, study your word. Father, strengthen uh, the, the, the truths that we have already heard in so many contexts. Uh, pray, Father, that, Lord, you would reinforce them, uh, that they will become, uh, Father, deeply entrenched in, in our soul, that they'll, be a, they'll, that they'll become a part of our thinking, that, uh, Father, that they'll be a part of our decision-making. And I pray, Lord, uh, that everything that we see will be uh, in the light of what you have spoken, O Lord Jesus, in your word. Because your word says it is the entrance of your word that brings light. It is the unfolding of your word that, Lord, that, uh, that dispels darkness, O Lord. And therefore I pray Lord, that you would strengthen the truths that we have learned and build us, O Lord Jesus. Continue to establish us in your word and, Lord, uh, enable us to press on, Father, to that upward calling that we have in Christ Jesus. To that end, I pray that you would uh, bless today's uh, study and anoint us to hear and to obey what we have learned. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, title today's teaching is uh, the perfect man or the complete man. Uh, the two, uh, the two, there are two uh, words um, for perfection in the Greek and the Hebrew. Uh, one is, one talks about completeness. The other talks about maturity. Right? So just because you're complete does not mean that you're mature. Okay, so there are two uh, ideas uh, and thoughts, but we're not going to delve into much about that. But we'll look at one perfect man in the Bible and we'll see why he's called a perfect man. Okay, let's uh, read from Acts chapter 2 to just get this study in context. <clears throat> and verse, uh, verse 40 onwards, Acts chapter 2 verse 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse, untoward, twisted generation. Then those who gladly received this word of exhortation were baptized. Okay, And that day about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine so that they will be continuously separate, be separated from the from this perverse generation uh, in doctrine, uh, apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers, etc. And what happened at the end result? Uh, great fear came and all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them. That shows that really the hold of the world uh, was broken in their lives. You see, the hold of things was broken in, the, in their lives. The how, what was the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as I say. The proof that they have understood the doctrine was they left the things of the world. I mean, they didn't consider the things uh, dear to themselves. They sold and they started using the things that God has given them for the extension of kingdom of God. So this is something which we want to see and uh, how do we do that is something which we want to look at. Uh, John's Gospel chapter 15 will say, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me. This is from verse 18 onwards, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world. Now God chose us out of the world so that we are not part of the world, but it does not mean that we are not still in the world. You are still in the world, but we are not of the world. That's what John's Gospel chapter 17 will say. So uh, so we are in the world, but not of the world. Um, 
I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And verse 15, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. I, I do not pray that you do that. Okay, That they should be in the world, meaning not a part of the system, but a way that they will condemn the system through the lives that they live. Hmm? But that you should keep them from the power of the evil one. Why? Why should you keep them from the power of the evil one? Because the entire world lies is under the sway. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 will say, it's a very interesting word, is under the sway of the evil one is what uh, KJV, NK, I mean sorry, NKJV other translations will use. But the KJV says, the entire world is in the wicked one. Is in. You see, that's very important. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay. And the world is in the evil one and you are not of the world but you are in Christ but you're still maybe you're definitely uh, still a part of this of this uh, of this system in, in that sense but uh, you don't belong there so he says I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but you should keep them from the power of the evil one they are not of the world just as I am not of the world so this is something which we need to realize and get into the system okay uh, and therefore he says uh, John's gospel chapter 17 how do we do that sanctify them by the truth and your word is the truth. So, we should save ourselves from this untoward generation. Okay? But, we have to do something else also. What is that? Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> For David, after he has served his own generation. This is Acts chapter 13 verse 36. We have to save ourselves from this perverse generation, but through our lives we have to fulfill God's purpose for our generation. Those are, those are the two distinct things that we need to realize that we have to save ourselves and also serve our, save ourselves from this generation and also to serve our generation. Okay? And in order to do that, what we need? 13, James chapter, Acts chapter 13, verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up from, from, for, raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. You see that? Okay. So you have a generation that is twisted. You have to save yourselves from that generation. At the same time, you have to fulfill God's purpose for the generation and in order to do that you have to know no 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 all the will of God for your life this is important okay that is the, that is the, that is when you really become what complete or perfect or holy okay so you have to prove that which is good that which is acceptable and the what will of God perfect will of God right that you have to prove good acceptable and the perfect will of God. So you have to fulfill all the will of God for your life and in order to fulfill all, so when you fulfill all the will of God for your life, you would have served your generation. You, are, you would have kept yourself from that generation and you would have served your generation uh, like David. Okay? This is very important. Okay? We need to keep these uh, thoughts in our mind and we have seen them in different contexts but we will look at them in fresh light today. Matthew chapter 24 talking about the days uh, of the return of the Son of God. Again, familiar passage, but let us see. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of uh, of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, also so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in their days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, uh, so uh, Paul tells the Thessalonian church, he says, I'm writing to you that you should not be overtaken by that day. Because that day will come as a thief. But he tells the Thessalonian church, you are not in darkness, but you are in the light. And that day should not take you by surprise. You should have an intuition, even if you do not know which day and what day he's going to come, you have to have an intuition that he is, he's coming. His coming is absolutely near. And we know for sure, we are living in those days, uh, there is definitely a, a, a spiritual uh, awakening, hopefully, in God's church. That, you know, his days are near. So who is he talking about? We'll look at Noah. So therefore, he describes a type of a believer. A type of a New Testament believer. Or Old Testament. Old Testament is a type of a believer who prepared himself. Okay. So that he could escape the judgment that was coming into the world. Okay. So he tells, no. Be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming and to stand before me. Two things you have to have. You should have a life that will give you the, give you the, what you call, not, yeah, yeah, the strength to escape the things that are happening and also give the strength to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Both are important. And therefore, Noah is a description of a kind of a believer who has that kind of a life, was developed over a period of time through teaching, through practice, through meditation, through exercising his spiritual senses and to ensure that he comes to that level of maturity where he could escape the judgment that, that came onto the world. Okay, So we will look at that. No? Gen- Genesis chapter 6, we know this verse very well. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Look at this. How? What is he describing? He is describing the DNA of Noah and he is describing not his uh, biological DNA, but his spiritual DNA. Isn't it interesting? I mean, I like that. This is the genealogy of Noah. He is not describing any of the achievements that he has had in this world, how much of money he has made, what was his bank account. Only one thing we know that he used entire bank account to build an ark. That's all we know. That is a huge bank account for sure. Because 120 years to support a project which is going on for 120 years, you need to have an incredible amount of money to support that kind of a project. No? It's not an ordinary project. Okay? Now, I'm, 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 uh, you should now enter into high tech city. Okay? I, I generally used to take several drives now. If you want to go, go to high tech city nowadays, uh, you have to take the exit from the Jubilee, uh, what's that? Jubilee Hills exit. There's a <clears throat> hanging bridge now. Have you seen that? Oh my goodness. Hanging bridge which and which will, which will take you to high tech city now and you'll see the skyline. Skyline looks like Singapore. <laughs> okay. So they have built structures and to fund such kind of incredible structures, <clears throat> not little, not money from uh, Indian RBI. They had to take money from Japan on 1% interest or something like that. Okay. So, uh, so these kinds of projects, meaning he was a rich man. How he, what much, what kind of money he had, we don't know, but we know for one thing, he used his entire money to build up, build the, for the spiritual, for spiritual purposes. That is something which we need to look at. Okay. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. What was he talking about? He was perfect where? 
in this generation. I, just, I told you, you no. Know, you have to save yourself from this perverse generation. You have to have two things. You have to save yourselves and you also have to fulfill. You have to serve. You have to save your generation and serve your, save yourself from the generation and you have to serve your generation. Two things are very important. So you have to be perfect in these generations and Noah walked with God and Noah begot through three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Meaning you can beget sons and you can also walk with God. Okay? So there's no excuse. No? It says, Enoch walked with God for how many years? 300 years and begat sons and daughters. <coughs> for 300 years worth of sons and daughters. How many? Whatever. At the, you can calculate the rate at which he was producing offspring. Hmm? But only, we, we don't know how many people really walked with God. He begat sons and daughters. So he begat Shem, Ham and Japheth. And, but something is mentioned. He was perfect in his generations. So let us understand what this divine perfection is. What is no as describing a type of a new covenant believer, new covenant believer, because every old covenant is a type of Christ or a person who is in Christ. Okay? A type of a person who is, uh, I mean, who is depicting Christ or a person who is inside Christ. No? He is perfect in his generations. So let us see what, what this perfection is. And we, we know from Hebrews chapter 11, something mentioned about Noah. How many attributes are you expecting? Ah, yeah, absolutely. See, first, by faith, Noah. Every, see, every, every, everybody see that. See how many times the, the, the underline flashes after this. Okay? By faith, Noah. Being divinely one. That is the first attribute. Second, things not yet seen. Of things not seen. Third, mood with godly fear. fear. Fourth, prepared an ark. Fifth, saved his household. Sixth, condemned the world. Seventh, became there. That is seven. That is perfect. Want to go, go through this again? Okay. By faith, Noah. Okay. Because uh, uh, the just shall live by faith. Or rather, let us say, uh, let us put it, uh, let, paraphrase it a little bit more uh, in our, in our, uh, so that we'll understand. That justified live by faith. Okay. Because you are justified by faith. The justified live by faith. So, Noah is depicting the type of a justified believer who is justified in Christ. So, the person who is justified in Christ has seven attributes. What are those seven attributes? He is a person who is divinely warned. Second, he has an understanding of the things which are not seen. Third, he is a person who is moved with godly fear. Not by emotion. Not by circumstance. Not by need. Okay. He's moved. Rather, he makes his move because he fears God. And not because he thinks that the move that he's making is logical. Okay. Understand? He is moved by the fear of God. Then what did he do? He prepared an ark. We'll understand what that, uh, what preparing the ark means. That is the fourth one. And what did he do? He just didn't prepare an ark which will just save him. He prepared an ark which will, which has the capacity to save his household. Okay, we understand that. Okay, fifth one. Then by doing so, he condemned the world and seventh one, he became the heir. Okay, mature. Because this, okay, let us see. This is your starting point. You are only as many as have received Christ Jesus to them, he gave them the authority to be called what? <laughs> Children of God. Okay. Hagios, which is a small baby. Kutipilla. Chinna Papa. But Chinna Papa, we can't make that fellow an heir. 
Chinna Papa has to become what? Complete man, mature. So in order to progress towards that maturity, so to in order to become an heir, so many attributes have to be inculcated in a believer. That is the reason why Hebrews chapter 6 makes a very important statement. It says, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us press on. The word for press on, I think, it's, I, I, I'm not sure if how, what the Greek word for press on is. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure it, it's the word agonize. You see, uh, remember, there are two places where, uh, where Jesus mentions that the, the door is narrow. In Matthew chapter 7, we know it. He says, uh, narrow is the gate that leads to life. Few will find it. And then in Luke's gospel chapter 13, when he talks about unless you repent, you remember that pool, uh, that thing that fell on people, etc, etc. And uh, do you think those are worse criminals than you, etc. Unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. And after he makes that statement, he is walking away with his disciples. Disciples are really worried and concerned. And they ask him, Lord, will there be only few who will be saved? And you know what Jesus says? Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive. Agonize. Strive. You see, this is an uh, this is a process of. I'm, I'm not. I'm saying. I'll, I'll tell you something. No, anything a believer does, which is of value, which is based upon truth, you have to agonize for it. It will not come easy. Okay. Anything that you do, you're a seeker for truth. For example, you have to agonize. So by faith, Noah. He was divinely warned, a man who was divinely warned. He had an understanding of the things which are not seen. He was moved with godly fear. Third, he, fourth, he prepared an ark. He saved his household. He condemned the world and he became the heir. You see that? That's the process of divine perfection. That is what seven things we'll enumerate today. Look at that. He was divinely warned. He had a vision of the unseen. He was moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark, saved his household, condemned the world, became an heir of righteousness by faith. You were justified by faith. That is one level. And you became the heir of the righteousness by faith. That's a different ball game altogether. And for that you need to be what? Perfect or complete, mature. Hmm? See, this is something which we need to really strive for, no? Otherwise, uh, we'll be fooling ourselves. Honestly. Okay. There are only two ways in the Christian life. Either you're pressing on or you're backsliding. There's no static. Okay. So even, for example, let's say you made one 0.01 mm of progress you made yesterday. But that 0.1 mm of progress is important. Even if it is small. <laughs> okay. Can you understand? By the power of God. Because see, the flesh is there. And it is not easy. Things of the flesh don't die so easily. And God himself said, I'm going to do drive them drive them out. How? Little by little. And you have to fight for that. Yesterday we heard, no? That Jesus, God didn't take them through the long route first. I'm sorry, short route first. Because they did not know how to handle war. If they would have, if you would have taken the, the short route, the long route, they would have run away. So he hid them, he protected them. And then... Finally, Amalekites came and what did God say? Time to take up your sword and fight. Right? So divinely warned. So the first thing, what does it mean to be divinely warned? It has got three levels. Three levels. Three levels. Three levels of divine warning that we have to go through. First level of divine warning. What does divine warning mean? Let us read Matthew chapter 2 to understand the idea of divine warning. Okay? 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 19 onwards. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise, take the young child. Underline the word, if you have your Bibles, underline the word young child. And his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. Now let's move on. Matthew chapter 2. And when he heard that Archie was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned by Divinely warned. Now, what is this divinely warning? What is the purpose of this divine warning? The purpose of this divine warning is to protect who? The young child. Understand this. Okay, so when you are born again, okay, you are not born again as a 17 year old uh, uh, spiritual baby. No. Nobody is born like that. Then you will become aliens. No, we are not. Okay. It's a natural process. I mean, even you are born again as newborn. So first thing you need divine warning. The divine warning is to protect you from the spirit of Herod, which is after the young child's life, the young Christ's life, which is born of the spirit from above. In other words, you are a new baby in Christ. And therefore you need divine warning to protect that new baby. Because who is after your life? You think Satan, once you are born again, Satan says, oh, bah, I lost that fellow. No, 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 no. Your adversary, the devil. Now think about it, no? You see National Geographic. Lions hunt. They don't hunt for fast animals. Do you know that? Because they are so bulky, they actually can't hunt for fast animals. They are not like cheetah. Uh, the best predator is not the lion. Not even the cheetah. You know which is the most powerful predator? It's a leopard. It's got speed. It's got stealth. It's got power. Lion has got power. It's got stealth. But no speed. It will run. Okay. Have you seen it? You should see that. That is the reason why they hunt in prides. They hunt as a group. So they cut off all the... Uh, um, sorry, hunt, hunt, okay. they cut off all the escape routes and they zero in onto the prey because they are not very fast. So generally most of the time the targets are young gazelles, little gazelles which are just born and whenever they see young gazelles born, you know what they do? They are after that fellow. They have to be killed because that is the prey. The fast, you cannot get the faster fellow. So what do the young gazelles do? They do everything in their in their capacity to, to protect that young child, no? But unfortunately, they don't, they don't have the power. But have you seen bisons and the bulls? Oh, you touch one young child of a bull, they'll come after you. You should see battle at Kruger. South, uh, South African safari, safari in, on YouTube. So one of the things, therefore, the church, therefore, has to do, it has to... Create an ambience of divine warning where the young children in the church are what? Protected from the spirit of Herod, which is after you. Okay. Herod is after you. Herod was after Jesus when he was born. Herod, his son, Herod, his son, that's the second Herod. He cut off John the Baptist's uh, head and uh, killed Stephen. And ultimately he was eaten by worms. Remember? 
I mean, I, that is a fantastic sight, no? If Bollywood would make a movie or Hollywood. Oh, he speaks like God speaks. And because he did not give glory to God, an angel struck him and he was eaten by worms. You want to just imagine that? <laughs> Something came out of his... <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a very, very interesting, okay? He was eaten by worms. And the third Herod was Agrippa. Okay, you know that Agrippa story, no? Agrippa's wife's name is? Bernice. <laughs> Agrippa under the grip of Bernice. Okay. And he says, Paul, he tells Paul, Paul, you are persuading me. Huh, what? To not become Christian, Baba. Almost to become Christian. That is Agrippa. That is the third Herod. Okay. He is not saved. He is not, he will not allow, allow, allow others to be saved. He is after the young children. See, even when the church was initially formed, there were young believers in the church. And what did the spirit of Herod do? It wanted to kill the apostles which were feeding the church. You understand that? It's the spirit of Herod. So what do you need? A divine warning. A divine warning means it's a doctrine which God will feed you so that your life in Christ is what? Preserved. You grow. Okay. In an environment of peace and security as a believer. Understood? So you'll see that, no? Principle. Matthew chapter 2. This is, uh, uh, sorry, verse. Matthew chapter 2 verse 12. Then being divinely warned. Who's this? The wise men. Remember? The wise men also were divinely warned, right? To protect so that they will not go back to Herod. So what does it mean? First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy and all evil speaking, as newborn babies, what should you desire? Desire the pure, KJ will use the word, sincere milk. Bah, there is normal milk and there, there is sincere milk and there is insincere milk. Bah, I like that word, sincere milk. Uh, what is insincere milk? Which has got the semblance of milk. Yeah, I, I remember, no, my brother, he is not there, God bless him, uh, right now, uh, he is not here with us. When he was growing, if he used to get angry, he used to say pala. Whenever he was so, he used to drink liters and liters of milk when he was a baby. Okay. So finally my parents said this fellow, <laughs> they, you know, for, because he was consuming so much, uh, finally, you know what, he, he just wanted that white thing to appear in the, <laughs> in the, in the bottle. So they would just put a little of milk and more of water. And that is insincere milk. Okay. So lot of, lot of places, what do you have? You have insincere milk. What is sincere milk? It is a milk that the mother has when she was, when she just gives birth to the baby. Full of cholesterol. Full of those nutrients which will, which are important for the development of the child's mind. That is a, that is the milk which gives resistance to the child. Okay. You know what in, in, in Telugu it's called Junnupalu, no? Uh, that is just, just after the, uh, the, the mother gives birth to a baby. Uh, the milk that comes from the, the cow gives the milk, that, that, that milk is different. We steal that milk and we'll make a sweet for ourselves. Insincere fellows we are, no? <laughs> so, but <laughs> that is the reason why, you know what, uh, God says in actually in Exodus chapter 23, if I'm right, He says, do not, uh, ah, you, you know, you know that, right? 
you I, I don't get the exact verse no where he says that you don't uh, take away the weaning baby from the cow or, or from your animal okay sincere milk what do we need so that you may grow in your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the lord is good that is what you need as a child you need sincere milk and Tomorrow when you become preachers and teachers and ministers of the word of God, you should ask God, yes Lord, these are all children in the, in the, in the, in the, in the word, children in the kingdom, the babes in the kingdom, all they can do is fall all the time and poop all the time, but they need what? Sincere milk. What, what do children do? You can't expect much from them. They'll keep on falling, no? Priyanka was telling me the other day, Pastor, so many times Rihan keeps falling. I said, sister, all boys learn like that. All of us keep on falling, 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 falling. Finally, we'll stand. What can they do? They can only fall. So what should you do? You should create an environment. Like, you know, remember uh, uh, David's uh, testimony in uh, Psalm chapter 73, if I'm right. I don't remember the exact, 78. Psalm chapter 78 where he says uh, how he took care of the little sheep. You see? Remember that great commission to Peter? The Great Commission is make the disciples in March, Mark, Matthew 28, 28. In uh, March, Mark, the Great Commission is go and preach the gospel to all nations. Who so Those who are believed and baptized will be saved. The Great Commission in Luke is God, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power and you will be my witnesses. Okay, and what is the Great Commission in John? Ah, first, no, 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 no. Feed my lambs. Ah, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep, meaning maro sheep ko, and then feed them. Lambs have to be fed. Sheep have to be tended. Actually, in uh, Exodus, it gives you very interesting examples of the, there are different kinds of sheep. There are fat sheep also. They should be disciplined. No? So, all kinds of sheep, how you should, how should, how should you, how you should take care. For lambs, special ways to take care of the lamb. Okay. You have to protect them. So you have to protect. So divine warning, what is he doing? Noah, in his life, he himself was divinely warned and he was also warning the people who, whom God has put under his charge, protecting them, and shielding them. Understand? So 1 Timothy chapter 3, he must not be a recent convert. Why? What will happen? Or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment of the devil. Okay. Not a novice. Why? Lest being lifted up with Pride. What is the problem with young preachers? <laughs> Pride. Thank you, Sami. <laughs> what will they fall on? He fell, fall into the condemnation of the devil. Okay. So what should you have? Young children, learn the spirit of what? Lifted up with pride means what? What should you have? The spirit of ah, humility. First Peter chapter 5. Likewise, ye younger Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. This is what we call as divine warning. What are you? Under the covering of the eldership. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know the word Bethsalel means? The Bethsalel who built the Ark of the Covenant who was given divine wisdom and the revelation to build the... You know what the word Bethsalel means? Bethsalel means a person who is under the shadow of his leadership. That's what, that's what, that's what Bethsalel means. And what does God, God, God say about Bethsalel? See, I have 
poured my spirit of wisdom into Bethlehem so that he will build the Ark of the Covenant. Who is, who is he under? He is under the leadership of Moses. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you when? In due time. And the next verse says, Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Don't worry that they will take advantage of you, etc. Don't worry about all that. God will take care of you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the the devil. What is he doing? He is looking for all these young children. And if those fellows are not protected, the sad, sad history and story in Christendom is little children, babies in Christ who have not been protected, who heard all kinds of junk and left the sheepfold and now been, been devoured by the enemy. And they are absolutely in a mess now. Spiritually. Why? Why? Because they know what? They were not divinely warned. So first stage is divine warning where you are protected as a child. Second stage of divine warning, you go go to the next stage where you start building up your own life. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 8. We who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God. The word for admonished of God is what? Divinely want. What should he do? He should build the Ark of the Covenant exactly as the pattern shown to him in the mount. So what is happening now? Now he is receiving instruction. He was divinely warned as a child. He was protected as a child. Now he is growing into a mature baby or into a young man in Christ. That's exactly what happened to Joshua, right? And everybody else who really were used of God to uh, to spiritually mentor the children of Israel. That is the reason why he says in 1 John chapter 2, he says, I write to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. How? Because of the word of God richly dwells in you. Abides in, not richly, abides in you. You are not only abiding in the word, the word of God also has become comfortable inside of you. You are comfortable with the word of God. What what does it mean to be comfortable with the word of God? Because the word of God is quick and living, sharper than a two-edged sword. It is dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It It is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart and that word which is cutting you is abiding in you. That means that living word is comfortable in your heart. Okay, You're not afraid of criticism. Okay. <laughs> so one of the marks of spiritual maturity is criticism. Some people get so upset when they get criticized. They have to make YouTube videos and say rebut and refute their crit- critics. Why do you have to do that? Hmm? Okay. Like Sister Elsa says, no, if it does not apply, let it fly. Else, what is he trying to teach, Lord? What is it? What is going on? See, because God is never condemning us. Of course, sometimes sometimes we are not ready for certain lessons. He will not give it to, give them to us at that instant of time because we are not spiritually ready and mature. Either, either it will crush us and discourage us. So he knows our spiritual level. But at the same time, does not mean that we should not be afraid of, that he should be afraid of criticism and correction. Okay, let the righteous smite me. That will be what? Kindness. For the baby, they should not smite the baby, they should kiss the baby. For the young man, Smite the young man. So those those are two different levels of divine warning, right? So being admonished by God. Now what is happening? He's growing into maturity. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Understand that? 
And finally, that is, that is the reason why First Timothy chapter, Second uh, Timothy chapter one, verse thirteen: Hold fast the pattern of what sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So, how do you keep the word of God? Two ways: Let the Spirit of God dwell in you richly. Okay, first thing. Colossians will say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Both these, both of these have to be dwelling in our hearts. That means when we receive the word, that word should become comfortable. Okay. He came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as have received. That means what, what did you receive? You, the word became flesh, right? That word which became flesh, you did not receive. That word has to become comfortable. Lord, come into my life. You're comfortable. You can do whatever you want. I've given you total authority of, uh, authority of, of, for the spirit and for the word in my life to do its work. To do its work. That is divine warning. A place of divine warning. A person who's being divinely warned is growing. Third thing. Third thing. Okay, so do not conform to the pattern. We know this pattern of the world. We don't want to go there. And finally, Luke's gospel chapter two. This, this is, this is what I love. Okay, this is what I love about divine warning. Okay. <clears throat> Luke's Gospel chapter 2 verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This is the ultimate mature believer. Okay, Person who is a child. Second is a person who is growing in maturity. Third one is a mature believer. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it has been what? Revealed to him. The word, exactly the same word. Krematizo, krematizo. It's actually the Greek word which means divinely warned. He was divinely warned by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the what? Lord's Christ. You know what that, what that means? He has come to a point in life until the purpose of God for your life is completely fulfilled. You will not die. That's the point, my dear brothers. That is the point. You will not be, confess that word, no? You will not, I will not die but live but declares the, work, declares the works of God. Why should God allow you to live? That means what? You have a hang as to what your purpose is and until the purpose of God is accomplished in your life, you've grown in a place of divine warning. Now because you've been warned by God and you've grown in a place of divine warning and correction, you will not die until you have finished God's purpose in your life. May that be true for me and for all of us. Say amen to that. Amen. Yes? Look at one mature believer. Acts chapter 27. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Oh, I remember. Okay, this is my personal testimony. For the first and the only mission trip I went along with Pastor. To we were going to Bhaktogra. Okay, Bhaktogra, when you, from, we went from Hyderabad to Kolkata, Kolkata to Bhaktogra. Okay, Bhaktogra's airspace is full of turbulence. Okay, so all flights shake, Indian flights shake a little more. Okay, smooth, it was going smooth. I was just dozing off in the airplane and uh, just a sudden jolt. I'm saying, uh, this is not bus, this is airbus. Okay, but <laughs> at least there's a bump and you're on the, on the road and you'll, you'll be comfortable. 
and it started shaking no problems was really bad and so all of a sudden i always have motion sickness and i was getting nausea pastor school i said you know what <laughs> i'm with him no <laughs> because his purpose is not over my purpose is not over praise god and i was happy with the turbulence okay so this is what he's saying this look at the confidence of this man none of you will die not because of you because of me you see when you are in a place of divine warning even if the whole place is in a mess i mean the whole world is going upside down you are in a turbulence of the <laughs> see turbulence in the air is one level turbulence in the sea is another level you know that you should go to youtube and see just type ships caught in storm it's shaking like this like this like this like this is going up and going down what kind of ship is that it's about almost a half a kilometer long ship and the people in the ship are they're going like this and they're going like that and they're happy and cool i'm looking at that i said <laughs> what is going on over here to be caught in a ship is not an ordinary thing okay in fact the motion sickness in a ship is much more dangerous than the motion sickness in in the sky see because you your uh, i was talking to one uh, person from navy okay uh, i don't want to mention his name i asked him did you have motion sickness when you joined the navy i said yeah he said yeah absolutely and i said why is it that you just sit in the ship and even a slight movement of this thing will give you nausea and he said you know what the ship has the ship not only you know it doesn't only really pitch it yaws and rolls what does it pitch means like this yaws means like this rolls means like this all three is happening simultaneously in a ship it is pitching it is yawing it's rolling and your neural network cannot uh, <laughs> adjust to that so what do you do <laughs> throw out <laughs> okay <laughs> okay ship will it pitches it yaws it rolls it's very difficult to ascertain the attitude of the ship so at least if you are going on a road your mind is already trained okay this is what you are going to expect in a ship you cannot expect how the wave is coming how the wave is doing what what it is doing to you so now i urge you to take heart and there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship look at the the confidence of this guy look at where he, where he gets a confidence from look at what it says for there stood by me this night an angel of the lord to whom i belong and whom i serve saying do not be afraid paul you must be brought before caesar and indeed god has granted you all who sail with you kya baat hai is he okay understand this your life because you are in the will of god will become the insurance policy for all those people around you kya baat hai in other words the safest place on that on the <laughs> on that on that sea is with apostle paul your in your life because it's a it is a place of divine warning will become the insurance policy for all those who are related to you did you get that that is the ultimate level a place of divine warning therefore take heart men for i believe that god believe god that it will be just as it was told me however we must run around reground on a certain 
island. So you see this, what he told me will come to pass, I will not die, because he already promised me. Why? Because he was divinely warned. Are you divinely warned? Are you, are you in a place at least of divine warning? I will not die, but live and declare the works of God. Very important for us to understand this. First Corinthians chapter 11. Otherwise, what will happen? For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks what? Judgment to himself. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 29 onwards. For this reason, many are weak and many are sick and many what? What is it? Sleep. You know what sleep means? Actually in the, in the, in the Greek word, coma. What are you in? Spiritual coma. Okay. Ante, deep sleep. <laughs> Nothing can happen to you. No instruction will get into you. You cannot be used of God. In other words, before your time, God took you. Okay. So, I will not die but live, but, and declare the works of God. You see, that is the reason why Noah is called a complete man because he was in the place of divine warning for how many years? You say 120 years. Ah, I think more than that. Because 120 years was only the time that he built the ark. But before that, he found grace in the sight of God and he was perfect in his generations. So, Understand this, okay? A place of divine warning. So let's, that's the first thing. So second thing. Let us look at the second point. He had the vision of the unseen. He had the vision of the unseen, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, okay? Because we are doing things which are spiritual in nature. It is very easy to lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you, what? Do not lose heart. Other translations will say, if you do not, faint, faint. Faint. Okay. The words are very important. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Why? For our light affliction. Kya baat hai? For our light affliction. And what is the affliction that this man is going through? I don't think any one of us in our lifetime will go through the kind of affliction he has gone through. Hmm? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Vision of the unseen. Meaning what? He ha- What does that mean? What does that mean? He had a clear understanding as to what the things, which what things are temporary and what things are not permanent, eternal. <laughs> Eternal. Temporary and eternal. What are the eternal things and what are temporal things? And what is he doing? He is beating his body to subjection so that having preached to others, because he was called a preacher of righteousness, he will not himself will be disqualified. Why? Because they run for a what crown? Perishable crown and we run for a imperishable crown. Hopefully India will finally get one medal, Baba, (laughs) in hockey. Because that one, one medal in hockey is equal to 11 medals. Because 11 players are there, no? All of them got a medal, okay? That, that, that is how I look at it, no? <laughs> and both both the women's team and the women's team, they're doing well. Hopefully, at least one bronze bar. Okay, see. So they're running for what? Perishable crown. And what are we running for? Imperishable crown. 
Do you have a vision of the unseen? An average man, I was looking at, uh, uh, pastor was talking to the Nepali meeting or he was talking, I think it being just, if I'm right, in that uh, teaching he was talking about the word of God dwelling in, on, in front of your eyes. Right? Dwelling in front of your eyes. Something like that. Something to that effect. From Proverbs chapter 6 was 6 uh, where he was talking about the word of God being dwelling in. I, I forget the, I forget exactly the, which, uh, which teaching that was mentioned. You know, the thing is, the thing is that, Word of God to dwell in your mind is you have such an understanding as to at what situation, what word has to be applied. You see, um, Magnus Carlsen is there, no? Magnus Carlsen, he was, he was doing an interview. Number one chess player in the world. And I'll tell you why he's number one chess player in the world. Interview, he was given 12 shots, snapshots. He was given 12 snapshots of the middle game. Not the beginning of the game. Not the ending of the game, of the middle game in chess. So he looked at, uh, can you tell me which uh, game is this? Uh, this is 1967 between Capablanca and uh, Bobby Fischer. The move was, knight takes h5. He's not only able to know when that event happened, which match was that, the database, remember, imagine the database, and he's also able to tell the next move. And not one, twelve. And I looked at that guy, I said, these are not best for no reason. See, when, when Albert Einstein said, genius is what? Ah, tell me, tell me something. Quote from memory. Huh? Excuse me? <laughs> yes, 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. Kya baat hai? Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, Sammy, he quoted from memory. He's guilty, okay? <laughs> you see. You see that? 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. Can you imagine the kind of training that guy would have gone through? How many games are there in the database? Every move you go to chessbase.com and you start one move, there'll be 25,000 games. And he's able to zero in onto that one game and tell the next move in the middle game. I'm stunned. I said, that's the reason why the people of this of this generation are what? Shrewder and sharper than the children of the kingdom. You see? Because they are work, they are striving for what? A perishable world championship. He's, he's in the World Cup now. I think he, I think he won it. I don't know what, I, what happened yesterday in the semifinals. You see, these are the guys who really dedicated their lives for this. Now, what about what about us believers? If we, if I give, if I were to give you, uh, let's say, let's say, no, forget about Spurgeon's uh, lecture notes. Uh, in twelve years, we gave you some so many sermons. I give you a snapshot of a sermon of a transcript. Will you be able to tell the title of the transcript? And what was the next verse that pastor was telling? Can you imagine? What kind of a training that guy had gone through? I mean, you have to equivalently apply it in our uh, our domain. See, See these are these are things that we don't have to take. So we don't take uh, uh, lightly, you know, we take them seriously. We have an understanding of the things which are unseen and we are working towards that. Not for temp- And if the guy who is in the temporal is working like that, how much more you and I in the spiritual? What kind of a seriousness we should have? 
That is the reason why he says, agonize brothers. Strive to enter through the, through the, through the narrow gate because many will want to get through but only few will be able to. That is the reason why many will run. Only how many get surprised? One gets surprised. Therefore, strive and run so that you may get the prize. Okay? Vision of the unseen. Vision of the unseen. Boy, oh boy. People in this world teach us lessons. No? Look at what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, you see that? When he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Why? The sin is passing. It's a passing pleasure of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked for the reward. Where? Look at that. Next verse. By faith he forsook Egypt, not, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is what? Invisible. Vision of the See, and that is real. We're, we sing that song, no? Lord, hasten the day when my faith shall be sight. Kya baat hai? What a word. Lord, hasten the day when my faith shall be sight. The sun be rolled back as a scroll. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He saw him who is invisible. He had the vision of the unseen. So, therefore, it says in 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anybody loves the, anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For, everybody say that? All. Everybody say that? All. 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 That is in the world. The three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There are three dominant forces in this world. Three dominant forces. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the lust, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, what? Abides forever. But because that is, that is what? Things which are seen are temporal, things which are not seen are eternal. So you walk down, down New York, building work One day it will burn. Exactly. They already gave a precursor to that. They brought the twin towers down. See. World is passing away in the last of it. But he who does the will of God. Who does the will of God? What does he do? He abides. The three levels. Let us see what are the three levels. Okay. See. I'll tell you something now. There's a difference between the Christianity of the West and the Christianity in the persecuted nations. Christianity in the West. I was a bum. I didn't have anything. I was an addict. I lost all my money. I was poor and I did not have anything. Then the gospel came. It's a typical average Christian in America's testimony. Then the gospel came. I straightened out my life. Okay, I got married. Now I have a good job, I have a stable job and I have everything. That is Christian in America. Go to Soviet Union or China. I had everything. 
<laughs> I had a job. <laughs> I had a good wife. I had salary. Everything. Then the gospel came to me. Now what happened? I lost everything and I came to nothing. See how different the world is. Two different places. <laughs> Unbelievable, no? That is the reason why we don't like want to read the, the, the readings that we get in the morning. The gospel in America is, I was a bum, I was an addict, I didn't have anything. Oh, that's what David Wood tells about him, the difference between his conversion and uh, Nabil Quraysh's conversion. You know what he says? Nabil's conversion is more authentic because I had everything coming, happening for me because I was a bum, I was in a prison and gospel came to me in the prison and God brought me out of prison. He gave me a job, he gave me an education, he gave me a ministry, he gave me a wife and I got everything because I followed Christ. But you know what Nabil was? He was everything. He was trained to become a doctor. And he lost everything for the sake of Christ. See how different the world is, my brothers. And that is something which you have to keep in mind. We say, Lord, this is not for my gain. Gain is not godliness. So therefore, you know what he says? There are three lusts in this world, my dear brothers. It is the lust of the flesh, it is the lust of the eyes, and it is the pride of life. And there are three dominant spirits of this age which we have to constantly keep our hearts guarded from. Judges chapter 6, look at what it says. That same night, verse 25, now this is talking about Gideon. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, one of the, uh, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the, what? Asherah pole. Two things. First thing, what is Baal? Lust of the eyes. What is Ashtoreth? The lust of the flesh. Ashtoreth is the female goddess of pleasure. Who started it? Nimrod. Who was the dash before the Lord? Uh, that is not mighty under is your translation. Unfortunate translation. Rebel. The actual translation. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mighty. He started. And what is it? Ashtoreth is a spirit where you, it's a deification of the female anatomy. You defy the female anatomy. And what is it in our generation now? What is given the prominence is how you look your figure. What did Jacob get attracted to? Rachel was very... You know what the actual word in Hebrew is? She had a very good figure that he got attracted to. And what does it say about our Savior in Isaiah chapter 23? There was no figure in him that you should desire him. That's the same word, Hebrew word. It's a deification of the female anatomy. My goodness, how much we have actually drunk of this world, right? We don't even realize it. And I, I, I used to, uh, used to be a Grand Prix in Montreal. Formula One. You know, Michael Schumacher and all these fellows used to come. There's a Montreal Grand Prix also. Montreal Grand Prix. The downtown is full of Ferrari. Full. Ferraris from all around North America are there. 
every street if you don't find a ferrari you ask me okay just it's ferraris lamborghini ferrari lamborghini ferrari lamborghini ferrari now here now you go to ghibli hills and you drive your nano will be there and two three ferraris will go lamborghinis will be going and everybody is watching that now there everything is a ferrari and on the streets of downtown there is booze partying and skimpily clad women and our desis they have seen it for the first time no oh the jaw drops and they go take pictures with cool with those skimpily clad women and selfies and pictures and they put it on facebook and orkut those days orkut not not no no it's we are we are all outdated now and then you keep going down to fashion show and what is in fashion show i don't want to even speak it out it's happening right on downtown and who's watching them 15 year old teenagers 12 year old children what is being defied the female anatomy like pastor says no you're like that mutton you're like the piece of mutton on the butcher shop it's like that it's a defication of the female anatomy my dear brothers that's a world and what is second thing the worship of bal you know what bal is master who's your master money is your master pleasure is your master what are they in the last days they are lovers of what pleasure than lovers of god bal pure remember bal pure means what who's pure the person who's in the cleft it means they joined it says the people of israel joined themselves to what bal pure that is two bal and ashtarath third one is molek you know molek You know what the word for Molech is? Molech comes from the Hebrew Hebrew word Malek, from which we get the word Melech, which from which we get the word King. Okay. Abi Melech, my father is King. Melchizedek, King of Righteousness. Melchi Malek. Now, what do they do? Second, first, second Kings chapter three. Second Kings chapter three, verse twenty-six. When the king of Moab saw the bat saw that the battle had gone against him he took with him 700 swordsmen to break through to the king of Edom but they failed so what did he do then he took his first born son who was to succeed him as king and offered him as a sacrifice on the city wall to whom to Molech you know why because he wants to get power the pride of life the ability to control others to manipulate to intimidate it's a spirit of our age the spirit of this world the deification of the flesh the deification of money and success and pleasure the human human uh, female anatomy and the third one is a deification of authority and power and you know what said and told jesus all this i will give to you if you Bow down to me. You know what Jesus said? <laughs> he showed them the nations of this world and the glory of it. And you know what he said? No way. No way. No way. The way of the cross. 
What do you think, my dear brothers? It's good people get trapped in this. I'm telling you, it is good people, my dear brothers. It's good people. Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, he asked him, he asked, What must I do to inherit what? Eternal life. Teacher. What is he? Uh, Luke's, Luke's gospel will tell him, that actually uh, uh, qualify him a little more. He was rich, he was young, and he was, sorry, he was ruler. Yeah, yeah. He was rich, he was young, and he had authority. Teacher, he declared, all this I have kept. Do the commandments, etc. Verse 20, he says, teacher, all this I kept as I was a, since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and said, and what did he do? He loved him. Beautiful, isn't it? He loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have. In other words, what is that Ashtoreth? What is that Baal? What is that Ashtoreth? What is that Molech which is handling you? Which is, which is, which is, which is controlling you? Break it, serve me. Powerful influences. You see, one of the things that we we in in in, the, in India are so trapped with is a spirit of entertainment. No, If you if you have to listen to a sermon, there should be drama. There should be dialogue. There should be some some kind of a body language. Otherwise, if uh, Paul and Peter and all these people, Paul were to come, everybody would fall asleep. No, no problem. He will if you fall asleep, he will raise you from your death and he will continue preaching. No, we want entertainment. We want all kinds of drama so that you will be, you will be, you will have attention. Otherwise, you're lost. We are all people who are, we have drunk in entertainment. How to break it. Okay, break that. And Jesus says, how hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom. That is the reason. Strive to enter. Agonize. Let nothing of this world have a rule over you. Because they are constantly coming for your, for, for your, for these things. Like we, we, like Pastor was talking about, no, Micah and his uh, effort and uh, the Levite. What did he promise him? Ten shekels and a shirt. And the tribe of Dan comes. Hey, what are you saying? Is it better for you to be a, a priest for one home or for an entire tribe? Are Baba, look at that guy. There is no strain in his conscience. He's so fluid. Path of least resistance. No strain in his conscience at all. Boy, we have to, I mean, we have to judge our own spirit. Mm -hmm. Vision of the unseen. That is the reason why he says, no, Demas having loved this present age or this world forsook me. That is the epitaph on Demas tomb. Whatever he would have written, I don't know. Last words about Dimas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like first I was talking about David Livingston <laughs> and his brother. David Livingston's brother was a very rich man. And he told David Livingston, David Livingston, you're wasting your life and going and becoming a missionary in Africa. And you know what? In the annals of British history, there are so many words written about David Livingston and only one sentence about his brother. And that one sentence that he was David Livingston's brother. Vision of the unseen. See, vision of the unseen. 
Therefore, first Timothy chapter 6, command everybody. So look at this. It's not a suggest. <laughs> Suggested to the rich people. It is a agnya. It is a command. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which are so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides ev- uh, richly provides us everything for us, for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in heaven where moth and rust, you know, remember Matthew chapter 6, moth and rust do not, okay, for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is what? Truly life. This life, God, I'm just not a Lamborghini. He's enjoying life, God. <laughs> I look at the Nano and I look at the Lamborghini. Which is better? Nano! Praise God. <laughs> Nano is praise, Nano is praise God. I'm, I'm, oh, every day, no? Every, every, whenever I go to Kachipoli, you should see Lamborghinis. There, and once you enter into Jubilee Hills, BMW, Mercedes, Lamborghini, what else, bro? Jaguar. Jaguar is uh, still a uh, middle class, okay. <laughs> okay, so Porsche, Porsche. This is what they have, and what do we have? I know. Praise God. Two cylinder, multiple sixteen cylinder. <laughs> but this two cylinder is safe. <laughs> it is divinely warned and protected. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. See, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Truly life. This is eternal life that they may what? Know me. So, because we are living in an environment where it is the deification of the human anatomy, especially the anatomy of the woman, what are women asked to do? First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 onwards. Do not let your adornment, you know what the word for adornment is? Cosmos. From which we get the word? World. Do not let your world be, <laughs> read that, read that, read that, read that, read that, read that everybody. Adornment ko nikal ke world banao. Do not let your world be merely outward. What is your world? You are always constantly thinking about how to look good. Arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the, what is that? Ah, incorruptible beauty, Baba. It is something which is eternal. It incorruptible. Why? Because my eyes have seen the, what? Eternal, not the seen incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. You know what? In this in this entire passage in the epistle of Peter, he uses the word precious. He says, precious faith, the precious blood of Christ and he says, you know what? The precious beauty of a meek and gentle spirit which in the sight of God is precious. It's precious. See? Do not let. So, be wise and invest your money where? In the kingdom of God. Okay, Peter. Proverbs chapter 23. 
when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. There's a ruler of this world. And he's after you. And he puts everything before you. What should you do? Put a knife to your throat. It will cut you. If you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies for they are what food? What food? Baba, they are not sincere food. They are deceptive food. It will deceive you. And after that you will get used to it. You will get used to pleasure. You will get used to comfort. Look at it. It doesn't stop there. Look at what it says. Do not overwork to be rich. Kya baat hai? <laughs> like that, like that, like that. Everybody read that. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Thieves, will you set your eyes on that which is? Kya baat hai? On that which is not. For riches certainly make themselves wings. Somebody said the only language the money money has only words that the only language or the only words it uses is bye bye. Tata. When you die, you say tata to money. Otherwise, money says tata to you. <laughs> it is uncertain, Baba. It is uncertain. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. If the eagle catches your prey, can you catch it? It flies higher than the 35,000 altitude. Somewhere it is. It's about 2 kilometers away into the sky. Never be able to catch it. Now there's a, there's a poem in Telugu. Sirida vache vachinu. Sirida poe po. Siri comes, Siri goes. Siri means money. And when it, when it comes, it comes like the falling of the coconut. <laughs> <laughs> and when it goes, it goes like the wings. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. See you. So I have the vision of the unseen. And I'm still not done with this point, no? <laughs> See, this is so important, no? Because we are caught in the scene so much, my dear brothers. The scene has got a power over us. Whether you like it or not, at different levels. Am I right? If you're honest. So he has a vision of the unseen. How does he have the vision of unseen? Amos chapter 3 verse 7. Surely, everybody say that? Surely. Everybody say that? Surely, the sovereign Lord does nothing. Does what? Nothing. Without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. And the spirit of the prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everybody, in other words, are prophets. Through our life, we are prophesying. This world is temporary. What is coming is eternal. Gotcha? Let me take a sip. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan. So, in other words, he knew the plan. Reveal the hidden plan. Right? You sing that song, no? What song, what song, what song is that? Our glorious mystery. Sacrifice of calorie. And now I know that thou art the great I am. Okay. He revealed the hidden plan. And without revealing this plan to the prophets, God will do. Do you believe that? 
In other words, everybody who's prepared will have a warning when he's coming. There will be a preparation in your heart. He can come anytime, but I'm prepared. So what does he do? Almost chapter 3. You only have I chosen. <laughs> Verse 2. Of all the families of the earth, therefore I will discipline you or punish you for your sins. Do not do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. In other words, in order for him to reveal the plan to you, you should walk with him. That's the reason why it says, Noah walked with God. What is what is God constantly doing? Tanda. Why? So that we can share in his holiness. Discipline us so that we can be made partakers of his holiness. Understand that? Okay. Genesis chapter 18. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham, look at that. Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? You see that? So God will do nothing. And what about us in the new covenant? 56 slide. John's John's Gospel chapter 16 verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you where? Into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you of the things to come. He will warn you. There will be a warning. Okay? So you have have to have the vision of the unseen. Galatians chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. That is what we, what we, what do we mean by walking with God. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Crucify the world, crucify the flesh, so that the world has no influence in your life, and walk in the Spirit. So first thing, it was a man who was divinely warned. Second, he was a man who had the vision of the unseen. Third, because he had a man of the, who was a man who was who had a vision of the unseen, he was moved with godly fear. Meaning, he made make made moves. Meaning, made decisions. Move means making decisions. Okay, he made decisions, keeping this in mind. So, how did he do that? He was fighting his flesh every day. Right, Hebrews chapter five, verse seven onwards. Let's do that. Who in the days of his flesh? When he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And was heard because of his what? Godly fear. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So he was willing to suffer the loss. Because he had the vision of the unseen. He made moves because he was moved with godly fear. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of knowledge. Everybody say that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the fruward mouth do I hate. It's to hate evil. Not just to depart from evil, but to hate it. Got it? Okay. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. Look at that. The fear of the Lord, what does it do? It prolongs your days. Meaning you will not die before your time, my dear brothers. If you have the fear of the Lord. You will fulfill God's purpose in your, in your generation. God will give you opportunities. And he will give you back the years that the locusts have eaten. If you walk in the fear of the Lord. It will prolong your days. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Even though they live long, hmm, 
they, they will not be able to fulfill God's purpose. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 26 to 27. In the fear of the Lord is what? Is strong confident, confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. You see that? How perfect the fear of the Lord is. <coughs> he was moved with godly fear. Next, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 16. Better is little with the fear of the Lord. Everybody say that. Better is little with the fear of the Lord. Than great treasure with trouble there with. And let me tell you something. No, if you become successful in this world, it's so difficult for you to cut through that process of uh, of gaining whatever and to surrender your, surrender your lives completely. I've seen very few people are able to do it. Very few people. Very few people. <clears throat> Understand. Better is little. Little. Kuncham unte chal. Roti, kapada, makan. Gadi hai with aajkal. But you know what the Bible says? Roti or kapada. That's it. Uske full stop hai bhai. After food and raiment, there is a full stop. Look at this. <clears throat> by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, what? Men depart from evil. And the greatest danger for all of us is 2317. Let not your heart envy sinners, right? Like that's exactly what happened to Asaph. My heart was envious of the wicked. He said, and he was confessing, very honest. How many of you are not? Tell me. I every day ask, Lord, that fellow, Lord, this person, Lord, I was better than him in college, etc., etc., etc. Look at him, look at me. Oh, if you are honest about yourself, you, you, are, you will have the spirit of Asaph and you will say, until your, you went into the house of the Lord and you understood their latter end. You had the vision of the unseen. I'm telling you, you know, if you leave the house of the Lord, your foot will slip. Easily. You are already on slippery slope. A place of warning. Divine warning. But be thou... Where? In the fear of the Lord. How long? All the day long. Kya baat hai? <laughs> Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. You will sin less and you will enjoy God more because the Lord is close to those who are who fear Him. He reveals Himself to those who fear Him. Remember? Understand? So, he was moved with godly fear. Next one. He prepared an ark. What does it mean? He lived a life. He prepared a life based upon a teaching which will last long. Right? Remember that? First Corinthians chapter 3. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building according to the grace of God which was given me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. Another builds upon it. But let each one take heed how he builds. I mean, I, 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 the preparation of the ark is fantastic. There's a whole sermon as to how he prepared the ark. It's fantastic, the detail of how, what God gives him. Pitch inside, pitch outside. Okay. And uh, the three levels, etc. Maybe when, some other time, maybe we, when we have the opportunity, we'll look at it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Meaning what? He built something in his life. He built a life which will stand judgment. That's what it means. Upon doctrine, he built a life which will stand judgment. Remember that? 
Okay? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hands, straw, that one's work will be clear on that day because it will be revealed by fire. And it will be tested. So he prepared an ark which would last the test of God. So therefore, you know what he says? First, second Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, you know this verse very well. So what, examine yourselves, test yourselves, and know. Three things. Examine, test, know. To see who? Christ in you. Else you have become? Reprobate, reprobate mean? Failed the test. That's what it means. Reprobate means fail the test. You fail the test. So constantly prepare an ark. So how do you do that? It's very clear. Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built the house on the rock and the floods came, etc. (coughs) But how do you build? Luke's gospel chapter 6 will say, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Okay. Deep. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house. It could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. It cannot be shaken. He prepared an ark which would stand judgment. It's basically a life where he heard and he obeyed. Okay? And he heard and he built by obeying what he heard. This obedience which comes through faith. Matthew chapter 6. If your right eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Pluck it out. For it is profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. You see that? Profitable. Build a life. See, he's talking about the teaching. Now, what that what is the teaching? Here, he, who whoever hears my sayings and he does them. What are the what are, what did he hear till then? Blessed are the poor in the spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the the people who are uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who uh, who are not angry with a brother without cause. Blessed are those people who do not lust with their eyes and who are very tough on sin. They absolutely they are absolutely vehement with the sin in their lives. They are very, very, very violent with uh, with sin in, the, in their lives. They are severe with sin in their lives. And they cut off sin. You see that? That's what he's talking about. No? He prepared an ark. So he prepared an ark and he not only saved himself, that is preparing an ark is his life. He did not only save himself, he also saved where, who? His household. That is the reason why First Timothy chapter 4 verse 16 will say, watch your life and doctrine how? closely. Persever, sorry, persever in them because if you do, you will both save yourself and your hearers. You see that? Save his household. So, when it comes to his life, he was very severe with sin. And why is he severe with his sin? Because he has to save the household. Look at this, Matthew chapter 18. Let's read this. But whoever causes one of the little ones who believe in me to sin, You keep yourself from sin for your own sake. And you also keep others from sinning by your life. Look at what he says. But whoever caused one of these little ones who, ones who believe in me to sin, it will be, it will be better for him if he has a millstone around his neck 
and he'll be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. He says, woe to the world. It doesn't say woe to the church. You see that? Okay? So if your foot or your hand causes you to sin, what should you do? God. For the sake of whom? For the sake of the brothers. You see that? <laughs> now you're not doing it for yourself. You're, you're also doing it for others now. Understand? First Corinthians chapter 10. I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Saved his household by living a life which will not be a stumbling block to his own sons. Because his sons are not as mature as him. Because God spoke to him, not to his sons, I believe. But sons followed him. First Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Saved his, saved himself and he saved his household. He prepared an ark. Ark represents his own life on the doctrine and he, and he preserved his household also so that when they look at his life, they will say, you know what? He never caused us to err through his life. And you will see that, you no, know, one of the things that we, uh, like that sister who said, no, I asked my son for forgiveness. I, I, I think, I think that was fantastic, no? But you do not become a stumbling block for your children. If you have to ask forgiveness from your children, ask it. Don't be ashamed. Humble yourself. And be consistent. So that your children know that your, their father is honest. He may not be perfect, but he's honest. And he's pressing on towards perfection. God is real in his life. Understand that? Saved his household. So all of us are in one way or the other mentoring the young generation. So you have Deepika and, and, and Jyoti, the senior most in GSS girls. Through your life, through your life, all things are permissible. Not all things are beneficial. Okay. So he says, be an example to others in speech, in love, in purity, in spirit. Okay. Saved his household. Do not grow weary in doing good. Especially to the household of God. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But you beloved building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's your life. That is your ark. And on some have compassion making distinction. But others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment which is stained by flesh. You see that? Why? Love covers a multitude of sins. That is how you do it. You save yourself and you save others. You have a burden for others. That is the reason why Jesus said, you know what? For their sake, what do I do? I sanctify myself. Can you imagine? Jesus himself saying that. For their sake, I sanctify myself. Alright. Then, he condemned the world. What did he do? He condemned the world. How did he condemn the world? Look at what it says. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but Second Peter chapter 2 verse 4. Hmm? Not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. One of the eight people, what is he called? A preacher of righteousness. 
he condemned the world through his preaching. And the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but unto this, unto those who are being saved, it is a power of God. Yeah, he condemned the world. And then finally, we'll stop here. We'll not delve too much into this. We'll maybe some other time. Romans chapter 8, and he became a heir. What did he do? He became a heir. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you do not receive the, for you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, what do we do? Romans chapter 8. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Kya baat hai? If indeed we suffer with him, then we will also be glorified together with him. That's how he became an heir. He condemned the world because scoffers were all around and he was willing to suffer loss. This loss of reputation, putting all his eggs in one basket, called the church, <laughs> for himself, for himself and his, for his household. Okay. Consistently. And therefore he became an heir. That's what it talks about, no? In Galatians chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is a master of all, but he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we are children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. You see that? Bondage under the elements of this world. So, he is no longer under the bondage of the elements of this world. He saved himself from this perverse, crooked generation and he became an heir. Okay, so let us look at the seven things once and then we will stop for the day. Alright. By faith, Noah. He was a man who was divinely warned. He had the vision of the unseen. He was moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark, saved his household, condemned the world through his preaching and became an heir of righteousness by faith. You see, the most important things is two things I want to look at today. Divinely warned and the vision of unseen. These two are so quintessentially pointed. Once you have these two, all the other things will fall into their place. So are you divinely warned today? <laughs> will you continue? Say, Lord, <laughs> there is there are Baals and uh, Ashtoreths and the Moleks in our own life. Okay. <laughs> Get rid of them. Let them, let them lose their power. And one day we should be able to see like Jesus. The ruler of this world has come and he has found nothing. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, taught us this morning, O oh Lord, what is the kind of a believer who's really complete? Father, one character that I see in Noah, he was a man who persevered until the end. Your word says, O Lord, count it all joy, my dear brothers, when you fall into trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith builds perseverance and patience. And let patience have do its complete work 
so that you may be complete and perfect, lacking nothing. And I pray, Father, that Lord, every one of us in our church, Father, will be divinely warned, will be a, will be, will continuously be in a place of divine warning. Father, we will have the vision of the unseen. We will have a, we will be a people who will be moved with godly fear. We will be people who will build our lives on the teachings that we have heard by obeying even the little commandments. We will save the people whom we have entrusted into our hands by not becoming a stumbling block to them. We will condemn the world through the decisions that we make, O Lord Jesus, by hating money, hating evil and fearing God and choosing the things which are of God and the things which are foolish to this world. Lord, and one day, O Lord, even as we persevere, we will become heirs and not just people who are children who will not inherit anything, but will be truly become heirs of the righteousness of faith. Grant us grace as a church to that end, we pray that we will keep our minds and our, our hearts focused, our hearts and our minds, O Lord, on things above and not on the things of this earth. We will put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, mature sons of God, who will one day rule. For you said in your word, the entire creation is groaning intensely for the revelation of the sons of God. And we ourselves, who have received the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly for the inheritance that is from above for the redemption of our bodies. Lord, enable us, Lord Jesus, so that we will truly groan, O Lord. We will not be comfortable here, but we will groan. We will be preachers of righteousness, but we will not become uh, people like Lot who have, who, who, who uh, vex their souls by the unrighteousness that he sees in the world. But we will condemn the world by the decisions that we make for God. By valuing things of God. And though the things that then the decisions that we make, O oh Lord, those very choices will condemn the world. Make us people of that caliber. And all things are possible, O oh Lord. Because Lord, you never asked us to do in these, uh, all these things in our, in our own strength. You have given us the spirit of the spirit of the living God and the word of God and the grace of God, the power of God. And it is by faith, Noah, he had access to the grace of God, the power of God. And therefore, through faith, he was divinely warned. He had a vision of unseen. He was moved with godly fear. He built the ark. He saved his household. He became a a person who condemned the world. And he became the heir. It is through faith and through faith alone that we have access to the grace, the power of God, which will give us the ability to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts. So that we may live godly and perfect lives on this side of eternity. So that And we wait for the blessed hope that is from above. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. See you all.